Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we have another amazing show for you this week. Very excited. We are all in different places. And I don't just say that because we're recording from home. I also say that because... We're in different places from where we were last week. Uh, I'm I'm still in the same place. I'm still in my new apartment in Brooklyn. You're in a Pete, different mental place, though, right? Just a different. I'm very chill right now. Yeah. Pete moved in Philadelphia, and Justin, you're being held hostage in a basement. Yeah. Um, in a different time period. I've traveled Ooh. back to the 19th century, and now I am trapped in a shack. Somehow, this is the only way of communicating, so um, tell my family I love them, and let's talk comics. I uh, I love the backlighting. So dramatic. I am dramatic. I'm a classically trained actor, and I feel like my rough exterior is starting to um, really portray that. <laughs> now, yeah. Pete, you moved to a echo chamber, is that right? Yeah, Yeah, I guess I'm echoing. There's no furniture. There's nothing in this room except a computer and me. And a dream. Don't forget, there's also a dream. Oh, yeah. 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 And and some booze. (laughs) Yeah. Well, dream booze, basically the same thing. So, uh, nice. Should we review what we're drinking right at the top of the show? I feel like we leave that for audience questions. But, Pete, you've got uh, what a horrible thing is that, Pete? It's a Bud Light Bullet. Bud Light Bullet, nice. Uh, Justin, you got a fancy drink going on? Uh, yeah, this is um, the local blacksmith gave me some mead <laughs> and uh, seems like a cool dude. Also, displaced time traveler. Uh, this, hey. is tequila, this is tequila and Aperol, and I'm in a tiny shack on Nantucket. All right, it looks it looks like you're using curlers in your hair. Like your hair is like wavy in places I didn't know it could be. It's Fantastic. This is, the, this is the longest all of the hair on my body has ever been. <laughs> Both face, head, and otherwise. Nice. Congrats. Uh, I didn't go too fancy. I just got a two-hearted male yeah. IPA going on. So there you go. Congrats. That's good stuff. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for the congratulations. Now, I... Diet Cherry 7-Up. Kevin, you crazy. Cherry 7-Up. Uh, now, I want to congratulate us on having another great guest for this show. And I'm going to invite him into the stream in a second. I do want to mention uh, Steve Orlando, who we said was going to be on the show this week, had to push off a week. Uh, so we'll see him actually in two weeks, if I'm remembering the schedule correctly. So I'm sure he apologizes about that. But... 
We do have another great guest for you that I'm very excited to chat with. His name is Anthony Desiato. He is the director and creator of a documentary called My Comic Shop Country. We're going to chat all about it. It's on iTunes and Amazon. Anthony, how are you doing? Hey. Hey, hey, hey guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, my gosh. Thanks for joining the show. I want. I, I just wanted to say, man, um, I watched it. I really liked it. And I didn't expect this, but at the end, I got choked up. I was, like, thinking about my own comic book store that closed down. And, like, it does a great job of really taking you back and putting you kind of in your own place of, like, finding a place where you belonged as a kid, man. So I just want to say congrats. Uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I just want to say I feel feel like I've joined the club here, so to speak. As you can see... I'm in a very bare room uh, myself. <laughs> yeah, uh, you were robbed, right? Is yeah. <laughs> so uh, we just moved. My family moved uh, just a few days ago, so still getting settled in. And Same. this will op- exactly. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, I, moved uh, time, as uh, I, I also moved. I also moved. Yes, that's true. Congrats. That's true. Okay. There we go. Uh, so this will ultimately be like man cave, home office, podcast studio. Uh, oh, nice. But right now, as you can see, there, there's nothing there. So I apologize for the lack of like color and fun comic stuff. Amen. It's all good. <laughs> we can see the vision of what it's going to become with the racks and cases yeah. behind you. Yeah, yeah you so can as, see like the the intent is there. We're, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get your nerd cred established. You don't have to prove anything to us <laughs> with action figures. It's all about the cover. So let's talk about my comic shop country. As Pete kind of mentioned here at the beginning, this is a documentary you traveled all over the country, visiting comic book shops. As far as I understand it, and I think we talked about this a little bit on email, the impetus was your local comic shop, the one that you worked at closing, which spurred you on this fantastic journey. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's really everything that I've done with the podcast and the documentary really stems from the experience that I had at Alternate Realities, my local comic shop, which closed five years ago. We just passed the five-year mark since the store closed. And, you know, I got so much uh, personally and creatively from my time at Alternate Realities. And, uh, you know, so with this film in particular, I really wanted to, to honor the store and honor the closing because it really was that shop going away that spurred this odyssey to all of these other stores. So, Again, it became sort of this weird thing for me, like somewhat mixed feelings because I obviously missed the store so much and I wish it were still here. But at the same time, had it not had its series finale, <laughs> there would be no new documentary or all this other stuff. So, uh, you know, some some positives came out of it, at least. Well, and you got uh, just to give people a broad span of the documentary, you talked to tons of people who work at different comic book shops. You also got some great names that everybody I think will know. There's Mark Wade is in the documentary, Paul Levitz. There's a a phone guest appearance by Brian Michael Bendis right at the beginning. Um, But what what's the big thing that you learned on this journey? What did you what did you discover about comic books without necessarily, I guess, spoiling the documentary? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I still feel like there was something, you know, special about the store that I worked at. But at the same time, sort of the the big picture question when I first started with this this quest to explore other stores was, you know, what I experienced at my shop, was that happening at other places? Because it's really funny. Now I've been to a ton of stores, but for years and years, I only ever went 
to alternate realities. I mean, you know, yes, if I were traveling or something, I would pop into another store briefly. But I mean, for the most part, like I really never had a need to go to other stores. I was, you know, shopping and working at alternate realities. And so I guess that was sort of the big picture question was, you know, what I experienced at my store, that that community, that sense of home and belonging, was that happening at these other stores? And, you know, the answer is very much yes, and then hopefully is captured in the movie. And, you know, it's not just stores in one geographic area. I mean, it's across the country. So that was something that was, uh, you know, very Oh, no. Oh. We lost him right in uh, the middle of an amazing point. Well, let's quick go around the horn and talk about our, our childhood uh, comic book stores while we're filling in the gap here. Uh, uh, go ahead, Pete. Mine was called The Dugout, and uh, it was a comic book store, a, a baseball card store, as well as upstairs they had, like, RPG games and Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff. And so, like... There was a it was a real meeting of different kinds of people, and I went because um, my dad kind of got me into baseball cards, mm. and then uh, like that was kind of like, and then I learned about comic books, and that really kind of opened it up. But like, yeah, it was like a like in a sh- area of not some fun shops. There was like this cool shop where like you would ride your dirt bike to and like hang out and stuff. Your dirt bike? Wait, you yeah, had a dirt a, bike? As a kid. No, you know, like a BMX bike. You know, Is this, like, oh, I thought you were talking like uh, no, uh, no. motocross racing, like Excite Bike. You were the one of the eight bit guys in Excite Bike. Yeah. Wrecking yourselves. Yeah. Uh, my shop was called, well, first I went to Twilight in Syracuse, which is great. Um, uh, sort of in the middle. Great movie. There was all vampires there. That's why I'm sparkling right now. I am a vampire. (laughs) Uh, uh, Shout out to the Lens Flare um, fans in the house tonight. Um, And then uh, that was next to, um, and moved to to the mall, and it was right next to uh, Cinnabon. So now I associate cinnamon with comic books. Ooh, nice, nice. Which is uh, sort of fucked up. And then finally, Comic Zone. Shout out to Comic Zone just north of Syracuse which I was out of the country for a year um, when I was in college and they yeah, saved saw. all my comics the entire year I was gone. Wow. Nice. You went uh, and got your pull list. You didn't exactly. leave them hanging. Yeah, I'll, no. I'll hold on to my local comment, my uh, childhood comic book shop, just in case we have any tech problems again. Anthony, welcome back. I'm Where sorry about that. My laptop oh my literally died. Uh, so I switched ah. to a different computer. But uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> I stacks of computers. You yeah. were like just at the point and it was just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. You were about to reveal the secret of life and then you got <laughs> So you know what? Let's just move on from there. We'll just go to whatever the next one is. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I did want to ask you about kind of like the dark side of comic book shops. I mean, certainly – you're like you were talking about the idea is community. The idea is this positivity. And this is this really positive, very heartfelt um, documentary at the end of the day. But did you take away any impressions of that? Did you take away any concerns from the state of comic book shops or anything like that in the process of traveling across the country? Sure. And I mean, certainly the, you know, the challenges of, of comic shop retail are a big part of the movie. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's actually another thing, you know, when you asked about what I learned, I mean, I really became fascinated with the actual, like the nuts and bolts, the running of a comic shop. And so, you know, that was really interesting to get into all of these different stores and see the ways in which they are trying to stay relevant through you know, a bunch of different things, whether it's focusing yeah. on the vintage back issues or the events and things like that. 
Um, you know, Mark Hammond from uh, Oh Yeah Comics, he has a great line uh, early on in the documentary where he says, you know, or I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, people are very quick to call a time of death on, on comics retail. And, you know, he doesn't see it that way. He sees it more as the industry contracting. And, um, and I have to agree. I mean, I don't, I certainly myself don't take that doom and gloom approach. I think I've now seen enough shops uh, that are, you know, employing all these different methods to, you know, to remain relevant that, you know, it does, it does give me hope. Um, obviously, you know, it was really interesting because not too long after I shot the movie and literally as the movie was coming out, we found ourselves in the midst of this pandemic and shops were, were hit especially hard, uh, you know, in a number of different ways. And I think again, you know, there were, there were a lot of folks who were again, very quick to say, well, this is it, you know, comic shops will be done. And, you know, it was easy to be pessimistic, I think, because there really were, you know, there were a lot of different things that were at play and still continue to be. But, um, but at the same time, I saw, you know, all the shops that I met through the podcast and the documentary, you know, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of them now and I follow all of them on social media. And what I saw was, you know, stores, you know, doing curbside pickup and mail order and, and Instagram live sales, like all these different things. And so I think the, you know, the versatility and the ability to adapt is, is strong, uh, you know, among retailers. And obviously that's not every single store, but, uh, you know, at least the ones that I, you know, that I've come into contact with and that I've showcased in the movie. Um, and so, so that's been great to see, but yes, the, the challenges of, uh, of comics retail, you know, they're, they're real and they're strong and it's, I think any small business, um, you know, there, there, there are certain inherent challenges, but I think the way that comic shops in particular are set up, I think just place an especially heavy burden on, on the people behind the counter. Yeah. Uh, what about, I mean, not to drill into you too much, but what about gender's disparity? Certainly something that was pretty noticeable in the doc. And I think this is the state of how comic book shops are run is the majority of people that you interview, the majority of people who are running comic book shops are male versus female. Do you see any push to change that as you've been traveling across the country or is it very much still this old boys club? I mean, yeah, as, as far as, you know, what you see on screen, um, I mean, I do think, again, I, I don't have hard statistics, but I do think that is somewhat representative of, you know, of, of what's out there. So, you know, there were some female retailers, uh, you know, in the movie, but yes, the majority were, were, were guys. And that probably is representative of, of what's out there. What was interesting in particular to me um, Less so, this wasn't really a big thing in the documentary, but I it was a little bit more with the when I did the season of my podcast the year before. Uh, but a number of husband and wife teams, uh, which is its own dynamic uh, and, and very interesting. Uh, so I came, I, I run into a few husband wife teams, which is interesting. Uh, but as far as you know, primarily female led stores. Um, yeah, I mean, again, just in terms of of, of what I found, uh, you know, it wasn't a ton of that. But what I did find was super interesting. And you know, we have Ariel Johnson from Amalgam Comics and Coffee House in Philadelphia. Yeah, and I've been there. You been, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super. I mean, it's really cool. And again, going back to the business model aspect of this, you know, merging. You know, it's like the food industry is hard enough. <laughs> the comics industry is hard enough. And then but you kind it of put is, it together. It is cool. Like people hang out there, which is great. And then, like the coffee shop kind of vibe fits a comic book store vibe where people are hanging out, talking and stuff like that. It was funny, though. I had a hard time. Like I kept trying to go to the guy at the back to pay because it didn't feel right to walk up to like a deli counter where it's like a coffee shop and be like, 
you know, I'll take these comics, please. Yeah, you don't have those croissant fingerprints all over. Yeah, exactly. Keep the crumbs away from my pristine comics. Yeah, exactly. Sure, that's a nightmare for Pete. When you get the comics there, do they slice them up real fine for you? <laughs> yeah, like super thin. You get a real thin cut. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Delicious. I'll have a grande X-Men with <laughs> now, Well, they do have like X-Men themed uh, uh, snacks and stuff like that. So, yeah, they do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the cupcakes and the cookies and all that. It's all fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, now that you have visited all these comic book shops and you've gotten more into the nuts and bolts of everything, would you ever want to open up a comic book shop or does that seem like a disastrous proposition? <laughs> <laughs> when I started working at Alternate Realities, I started working there, I was, it was a summer after my freshman year of high school and I'd been shopping there for a few years and um, you know, at the time and for a long time, you know, sort of in the back of my head, it was like, well, one day, you know, I could take over the store. And as the years went on that, you know, that's sort of faded. Uh, and now, you know, as I've, I've learned a lot, uh, and we, you know, we won't, I just won't spoil anything, but the, the movie certainly begs the question that, uh, you know, that you just asked. And it's the sort of thing where, if the right circumstances aligned, I would love to at least try and there, I think there is a set of circumstances that if they were to come together, it would have to be the right people. Uh, like, I don't know that be I would a millionaire. <laughs> well, but, but in <laughs> all honesty, yeah, I mean, in all honesty, that's the sort of thing, you know, it's like I have a family again, we just moved, you know, it's not the sort of thing that I could just say, Oh, I'll give it a shot, you know, but if I were in the position where, um, you know, again, I didn't really need to rely on it fully, you know, I think that would make me a little bit more open to it. And I certainly, you know, I feel like I've learned a lot and that's not to say like, Oh, I know exactly what to do and it would be a smashing success. No, but, but I have learned a lot and I think that would serve me well. And I have the experience of working in a store for a long time. So part of me just, you know, part of me is curious. It's like, well, could I make it work? And, um, and, you know, certainly as far as what I, what I lost when, when my store went away, you know, there's definitely that big pull to, you know, to try to recreate it. But then that also opens up other questions about would it be appropriate to do that? Or was the store the store and it's its own thing? And I, you know, so there's a lot wrapped up in it. But uh, yeah, again, I think there's a part of me that, you know, if the right circumstances aligned, I it would be hard for me to not do it. I mean, let me just say, you're like two spinner racks away in the room you're in <laughs> from becoming a comic book store. So and you're very close right now. Yeah, I'm getting there. Have you checked in with any of the stores since the pandemic? Have you talked to them? I mean, I know we touched on this a little bit already, but uh, how somebody uh, in the comments here over uh, Mike Bedeke brought up, uh, was the documentary finished before DC changed distributors? Obviously, yes, but that's clearly a seismic change in the industry. What's your impression been there? <laughs> so, yes, I have been uh, – I've been in – I mean, in some cases, I'm in regular contact, uh, either over the phone or, or texting with certain retailers who were in the movie. Uh, in other instances, not so much, you know, direct personal contact, but I'm seeing what they're posting and things like that. And, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for all of the retailers in the movie, but, you know, the sense I got is, you know, there were a lot of unhappy comic shop owners, you know, particularly with this whole, uh, you know, this whole DC business of, um you know, I think from the start, there was a lack of clear messaging and leadership and support when all of this happened, you know, and certainly everyone, you know, across industries, right, everyone was pivoting and no one quite knew what to do as this was happening. But 
you know, I guess the thing that I always go back to is when you look at the publishers, you know, and in this case, DC, you know, this large company that's part of this huge, you know, corporate machine versus these mom and pop shops in terms of, you know, who should be taking, you know, a leadership position. It feels like I think you can make an argument uh, that, you know, it would have been nice if DC had, had really, you know, done a little bit more at the start. And then, you know, this whole business with, you know, switching distributors, right as comic shops were like just starting to to get back on their feet Uh, back to norm what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it just seems like there were like at (laughs) i'm really gonna get going here i feel like at every turn uh you know there were there were opportunities where maybe things could have been done in a better way and those steps weren't taken i mean if if diamond had remained an option among other new options Okay, you know, I think that's one thing, but you know, forcing stores to set up these new accounts, and you know, there, there was so much at play there. So, I, you know, again, from the retailers I spoke with, and just getting a general sense, and as a former comic shop employee myself, like throughout this whole thing, I really kept going back to what you know, the owner of the store where I worked, who's in the documentary, very curmudgeonly guy, like lovely person, but uh, had a very love-hate relationship with the store and the clientele and the distributor and the <laughs> publisher. And I always keep thinking to myself, it's like, what would, would he and we be saying uh, as, as all of this were going on if the store were still there? And I, you know, it's one, one instance where I actually texted him and I said, you know, I'm, it's good you closed when you did, because I think this really would have been a rough road uh you know over these over these past months so there's a sense that i got at this point now that you've done this documentary you've traveled all over the country i know you've done a couple of other films before this do you have a plan for anything else or you're like please god no i don't want to explore any more comic book shops you're going down (laughs) that avenue again what's your next goal uh, Get into a stable industry like regular bookstores, yeah. <laughs> newspapers. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, as far as next projects, um, you know, that's a good question. As far as comic shops specifically, I, you know, I feel like I've said what I what I wanted to say. Um, you know, some people were asking about you know a sequel to this, and I, and I don't know that that's really you know uh, where my passion lies. Uh, as far as exploring sort of other pockets in the comics industry, you know, that's something that I would, would be interested in. There were a couple of ideas that I was toying with. And then, you know, uh, with the pandemic, it's like everything is just is really just up in the air. So, uh, yeah, I don't know for sure film-wise what the next project will be. But, um, you know, on the podcasting front, I do a show called My Comic Shop History. The first season was all about alternate realities closing. And then uh, subsequent seasons went to other stores and comic conventions and things like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm planning to bring that back in some form. And then I'm starting a Superman podcast called Digging for Kryptonite. Uh, mm. Superman actually can see a, a piece of Superman art uh, right over my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite character. And uh, this is something that I've wanted to do for a while. So on the podcasting front, that'll be coming up next. Awesome. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Once again, it's My Comic Shop Country. It's on iTunes and Amazon. Is it anywhere else that people should check out, or those are the main places? That's where it is now, but actually the timing of this is perfect. So uh, as of like a week ago, it's 99 cents uh, to rent uh, or $7.99 to buy. So, uh, you know, for anyone watching this, you know, if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, uh, you know, I really hope you will. And this was so much fun. I really thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate oh, it. Thanks yeah. for doing it, Anthony. Yeah. Thanks, and congratulations yeah. on the talk. It's yeah, congrats, you, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Anthony. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Take care. All right. Uh, once again, Anthony Desiato. Uh, really, like Pete said, it's a really charming doc, and I think 
like you were saying, Pete, there's something about watching somebody go to a ton of comic book shops right now that's like, oh, man. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I first moved to New York City, there were so many shops. You know, there was one shop that was like had an arcade in the back and like, you know, slowly watching them close over the years has just been brutal. Uh, yeah. But what's share your story, please? Oh, sure. I mean, it's not much of a story, but there's a place called Mint Condition that was on Port Washington mm. Boulevard that I used to go to all the time. That was, I don't think it was open. Wait, this was in the west part of the island that you owned? I'm sorry. Just like, where where are we talking about? It was in the West Corridor, Pete. It was in oh, my yeah. house. Oh, okay. Uh, no, See, I grew, actually, where I grew up, Alex, I had to go to Damaged Condition. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> near mint condition. It was, yeah, it was right near near mint. <laughs> uh, the The first comic book shop that I actually went to, uh, not regularly, but semi-regularly, was Forbidden Planet in New York. My dad used to take me there. He would work in the city. He would he'd take me into the city. We'd always go to Forbidden Planet, and, you know, I'd pick some stuff up. Um, but probably around 10, 11, 12 or so, the store mint condition opened, and that was the place that I went to. And I stopped going there because of Marvel trading cards. And mm. the reason is I got addicted to buying Marvel trading cards. Yeah, and I would go back. It was like legit. You still, you still struggle with that, right? I inject them straight into oh. my fucking veins. Uh, no, yeah. I got to the point where I was like, yeah, I had to get one of the rare hologram cards in the no. set. And after buying hundreds of them, I finally got Venom versus Spider-Man hologram, and I was like, that's it. I'm out. And I <laughs> never went back to mid-condition after that day. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, I feel bad because I, I mailed you a pack of Marvel Masterworks. Oh, yeah, um, I don't want to even show you behind me right now. It's out of fucking control. I've been injecting <laughs> my now. That's where the high is. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of better hides, you know what gives me a great high is taking your audience questions. So we're going to jump right into that right now. Yeah, yeah. Audience questions. Let's get Alex high. As he said, get him high. And for your audience questions, you can ask these two ways if you're over on YouTube. Hello, YouTube, first of all. Uh, give us a little thumbs up like. We always like those. Uh, and you can drop a question in the comments. We're going to monitor those over on Crowdcast. There is a Ask a Questions section where you can drop a question. I did want to mention while you guys are dropping the stuff in here, uh, we got a couple of shouts out to comic book shops. Uh, Bandito740 says, mine was and still is Castle Comics. To this day, it still has that awesome smell and unhelpful clerks. Never change castle, never change. <laughs> See that? The unhelpful thing bothers me. Like, it's, I really, I've been in a couple shops in New York City and I refuse to go back that like judged me because of what I asked for or what I was reading. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's for me, a comic book shop should be a safe place. It shouldn't kind of be like a high fidelity situation where like, you know, you're judging the people. Exactly. Pete, you should be able to grab the guy behind the counter and say, fuck Cyclops, idiot. (laughs) Wolverine forever. (laughs) Man, a uh, couple of others here. We got Cover Comic Shop, OG. Oh, Torn Cover Comic Shop, excuse me, OG. Ooh. Says. And 
there was one other here, but I'm missing it now. I'm sorry. Um, I'll look for it later. Uh, but why don't we go over to some comments, uh, questions in the ask a question section. Uh, first from Eduardo, what do you look for when stopping into a local comic shop when visiting another city? What makes a good LCS in 2020? Um, first of all, I guess that you can visit it virtually and shop online versus actually going there, mm -hmm. but there. let's thought experiment yeah. when you're visiting another city. If we're ever visiting another city again, what do you look for in a local comic book shop? Well, I mean, this is sort of, uh, I guess snobby is not the right word, but how they classify their, their new issue wall. Yeah. How they lay it out is huge for me. Like I yeah. want to see all the issues in a row everything there below that or to the side of it last week's issues below that you know do it up so we know we can get a bearing on what's happening here i i've the people been that in, do it alphabetically are insane is all i'm saying so like i've been in a ton of comic book shops like if i can't walk in there and figure out where the new arrivals are and how your layout is set up like then then it's wrong then you're i you know you're too quirky like, fine, if you want to force me to interact with you, that's cool. But, like, it's it's one of those things where, like, I want a place where you walk in, they're glad that you're there, and you can fucking see the new arrivals wall. You know what I mean? That's, like, the main thing. But I love looking for the character in the shop, too. Like, finding the loud guy in the corner who's, like, holding, uh, you know, like kind of holding people like in check and like, you know, like okay. the, the Pete, the Pete of that check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really was wondering where that sentence was going with the holding. Like what exactly yeah. is he holding? Yeah. Pete? What are you getting at? A loaded gun. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> when I talked to the loud guy in the corner, court. holding a katana sword was what holding I was court. looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you guys. And I think we kind of touched on this during the interview portion, but if there's something unique or fun about the shop, that certainly yeah. draws me in and makes me remember it. Like there's plenty of great, great shops that I've been to across the country, but when you go to something where it is, they have a cafe or they have some special unique area or potentially also they have like a good inviting kids section. I think that's really good as well. Oh yeah. Comics is great for that. You know? Yeah, exactly. I think that's something that shows me, and this sounds very hypercritical, but it shows me that they're forward thinking in terms of their shop. They're not just mm. like sitting there, you know, behind the counter, arms crossed, being like, prove your nerddom when you come yeah. in. That they're looking forward and being like, what is the future of this business? What can I do there? Um, I, I think that's what we all spark to with Midtown Comics is they're inviting. They welcome you. They yeah. want to help you out. They have an organizational structure that makes sense as you're walking through mm -hmm. because they want people to go into their shop. It's not supposed to be this exclusionary place. And also they got, they got back issues. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Got to have that back issue. Exactly. Uh, now, before we get to the next question, I do want to mention, I kind of double booked myself a little bit, so I apologize about this, guys. Uh, you oh. know, I don't know if I mentioned, but I have this day job where I cover TV. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm right, sorry. Did you yeah. just need to flex a little bit? Just a little bit. And uh, I got invited to the Star Trek Lower Decks virtual premiere. Oh, shit. That's the hardest invite to get yeah, in America right now, dude. Right. You're going to be are you in the VIP room? Yeah, well, I got a, I got another computer over to the right here. So I'm just going to like... Ooh, is that tech flex? Yeah. No, <laughs> like, like, uh, I'm just going to like log into this premiere over here. And I'm just going to be 
doing that. But, oh, cool, cool, okay. <laughs> I guess Alex is sponsored that, by Apple. Does that work? What is, is that tough? Does that not look good? Honestly, I see no difference. You're <laughs> just a little glowing you know. apple in my book. Yeah, I see uh, no difference. No, Wait, I are you know. wearing the shirt of the premiere that you're going oh, yeah, to? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Should oh, I show God. that off? You're like, that guy? You're that guy. Wow. Wow. T-shirt. It's, oh, wait a second. That's a t-shirt for the premiere party? Yeah, I partied uh, with You're Star Trek Lower Decks and all I got to t-shirt. Dude. I guess go do your other show or go to your premiere, I guess, if you're so busy. Yeah, that's cool. You guys can run it from here, right? Yeah, yeah. We, for sure. I actually have a premiere to go to. Um, the printing press is being invented right next door to me here. So I'm going to hang with uh, Gutenberg. Not Steve Gutenberg, uh, but... He'll be there. He'll probably be there. Oh, it's oh, great. There's a whole chat going on and everything. Just you know, we have a chat going on right having now. Have a good time. No, but this is like a Star Trek thing, so like it's a little bit cooler. So I'm just going to keep an eye on that and see what's going on, and then like you can always tell it's a good party. You can also be doing something else while you're at it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, we have uh, OG says, with that in mind, ooh, this is, a, sorry, this is a follow-up question about Watchmen. When Windeloff was asked to write the Watchmen series, he declined. Then he realized that if he didn't, someone else would. Now, with all the nominations, it would seem that another series is bound to happen. With that in mind, if you had to write the next season, what would you continue, and what social issues would you want to tackle? Well, well you, certainly you, something we've talked you about. You talked about, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You talked about this. Well, we talked about this a lot on Watchmen Watch, our Watchmen podcast, uh, things that we would potentially want to see in a second season. Uh, I I love that story that David Lindelof told because it's like the level of myth, the way that he told it, where it was he refused one time, he refused a second time, and on the third time, he could not refuse anymore. He had to take on the job. Thrice uh, they beckoned me, <laughs> and thrice I could not refuse. <laughs> Uh, More mead, and I, I kind of feel like, like we've talked about before, it would be the same sort of thing with the second season. You know, I mean, just to kind of review because there's been a lot of rumors back and forth about it. He doesn't have any plans for a second season. There's nothing really that they wanted to do. He feels like he told his story with Watchmen. He's left the door open if there is another idea. He has, and HBO, of course, wants to do another one, but they only want to do it with David Lindelof, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, I do feel like at this point they're going to get past Emmys. They're going to win a shitload of Emmys and then talk yeah. to him about it again. And we'll see what happens. I would just thrice. <laughs> I would just continue where you left off. I want to see Regina King walking on water and just, uh, it would be amazing to see her kind of take on what she would do uh, if she had that power and, you know, keep it moving, especially, uh, in that kind of space where it was and, and keep talking about fucking racism and the bullshit. And especially now that we know the things that we know and they called the mass early, what would that mean? I think just they've done such a good job of setting these characters in motion, uh, following up on that. I think I would really enjoy seeing more from them. Well, I do think, though, the reason that we loved Watchmen and the Emmys and everyone who watched it was because it took the formula from the comic 
and you know remixed it and brought in these these new ideas because the original Watchmen was tackling the issues of the day. So the Watchmen TV series is tackling the issues of our day. What would a new series tackle if it couldn't continue on with the the storyline where it left off? And I think perhaps the two that come to mind for me are um, environmental collapse, uh, which you know they touch on a little bit in the in this TV series, and wealth disparity. I think that would be mashing those up uh, would be a very cool take. The thing I've thought about a lot over the months since the show, and I do think we touched on this a bit on the podcast as well, is I think it would be a mistake to make it an issue of the season type show if they were to go forward. I think these are all good ideas and worthy things to talk about. You know, some of the things that are called out here, the comments, uh, Ram- Ramzi Hassan says, class is the next big issue. Edward Doherty says they could tackle fake news misinformation. That's fertile territory. Those are all correct. But that, in a, in a way, I could see them in the writer's room feeling like that's rehashing. That they're like, what is our issue this time out? Let's tackle that. The suggestion that I think you were getting at, Pete, that I made, and I think this was in our uh, podcast, our stack podcast about it is, the big thing that I would love to see them do is I want to see them do V for Vendetta for the second season. Like it's not Watchmen. Yeah. It's them taking on another swamp thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like the thing about V for Vendetta is the Wachowskis did the movie. They Americanized it, but they didn't change the circumstances of the story. They kept it as a superhero story versus what Alan Moore was doing there in the book was dealing with British politics at a very specific time. He was very specific about the movie. He said, what are you doing? Do it about America. Do it about like what's going on with America. So if you are going to do something like fake news, misinformation, God, a V for Vendetta story would be fucking amazing to do now, but I'd like to see them take it in the exact same direction where they respond to it. They twist it. They turn it. They talk about what's happening now, but through the lens of the book and recreate it. And as Dean Dell, uh, as Edward Doherty says, lost girls for season two. Yes. That uh, either V for dead or lost girls. Yeah. Either way. Whichever makes the most sense uh, and satisfies. Right, Alex. Uh, all right. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> as Pete likes yeah. to say, that's pretty creepy. Uh, oh, uh, ooh, there's some great stuff going on in this premiere. This is really fun. No, what the? They're just showing <laughs> off some sketches from the show. It's really cool. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Hand sketches? They have paper? Wow. They're, are they using paper? <laughs> or are they performing uh, sketches? Are they performing sketch comedy? Yeah, it's like a sketch comedy version of Scar wow. Trek. It's pretty cool. Wow. Uh, Beercat PhD says, it seems as though in-person cons are necessarily a thing of the past future for now. Dreaming of Ugh. days gone by. What's the Ugh. best con you've been to and why? Do you think there are ways to successfully replicate those elements in virtual cons? What do you guys think? I mean, we talked about this a little bit um, last week uh, with the uh, San Diego Comic-Con at home and how they sort of whiffed a little bit on that, creating, creating that live element. Um, I, but I think like we talked about, I think you could do it. It just requires some uh, forethought and real, really thinking about why people go to cons. It's to be there for those live moments and have those experiences that you just can't get um, in your normal life. And it's the interactions you have with other fans that really make it. Uh, for me, it was that first San Diego Comic-Con 
we went to and it was kind of a shit show for us, but like it was also so much fun and so insane and like so many like memories that I still hang on to from that. But like, you're the king of San Diego, Jim. You're the king of San Diego. I to the point you were making, Justin. The events that I remember the most from Comic Cons, I certainly remember things from the panels. But it is the spontaneous things where you just kind of meet people and start chatting with them. Um, I've met people waiting online on Comic Cons that I've stayed in touch with. Uh, sometimes you just meet people through people. You end up like getting together with people that suddenly you're traveling to bars all night long and that's what you're doing and you become best friends for a little while. It's cool. It's fun. Uh, and that's something that you just can't replicate with the virtual experience. That said, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with the DC fandom thing. I don't mm. think it's totally going to work, but I do think it's an interesting experiment in terms of trying to recreate a physical space in the virtual space. And I'm very curious to see how they're going to do it. Uh, for those yeah. of you listening who aren't totally familiar with it, beyond the panels uh, that they're doing, that they're going to be rolling out over the course of 24 hours on, I think, August 22nd, they've created six virtual hubs that you could travel to that have different focuses. So they have one that has the marquee panels like Wonder Woman 1984 and Justice League Snyder Cut and all of these other movie things. They have one that's uh, inside. They have uh, kids stuff, some other things going on. So I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off, but I'm mm-hmm. curious to see if they get closer to that experience than what Comic-Con at home did. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. No, I thought you were going to say something. Uh, All right. This is uh, from D Delp. Here we go. I am new to this app, so this is a test. I heard you guys praising the last Transformers book that you read. So I'm wondering if any of you guys checked out the new Transformers series on Netflix, War for Cybertron. Mm. There's only five episodes, which I binge watched in between episodes of the Umbrella Academy. That's nice. Good to shake it up. Feeling it. Anyway, I think it's very good that excellent animation and characters that you can easily recognize from the original series from the 80s. Now, Pete, Pete, you seem most likely to binge this. Well, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I've just been, my life has been the move. So, yeah, I saw like an ad for it and I can't wait to check it out. I'm very excited because the animation looks really good. Uh, but I do hope it is closer to the 80s and 90s uh, cartoon. No, give me Beast Wars. That's what I want to see them. No, uh, screw you and your Beast Wars. Love Beast Wars. I haven't watched it. I would. I watched the trailer um, on Netflix, and it did look cool. It made me want to watch it. So maybe I'll check that out. Uh, I'm binge watching The Sopranos right now. So uh, oh yeah, that's really right. similar story structure. Very Tony similar. Sopranos is like the Megatron of that particular universe. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Nice uh, question here from over on YouTube. The is tube. There- the tube <laughs> is Green Lantern going to cameo in the Snyder Cut? What do you guys think? I feel like uh, I haven't totally paid attention to this, but this has come off of Ryan Reynolds tweeting a lot about Green Lantern lately. He put out today a Ryan Reynolds cut of Green Lantern that I think was 30 seconds long or something like that. That was the whole joke. That's funny. Do you think there's any chance we're going to see Green Lantern in the Snyder Cut of Justice League? But isn't his whole thing the, the last week bragging like I'm not going to there's no reshoots in here. It's all the pristine footage I already shot. And there's no way in the world 
he had a Green Lantern cameo in the can when he left that project. I think he did. Like I think that's crazy. I I don't I don't think it was Ryan Reynolds necessarily, but there were all those plans to have like way back when they announced the Green Lantern Corps as part of that, and then we're doing this movie, and we're doing this movie, and we're doing this movie. Uh, there was concept art that was very clearly Chris Pine as Green Lantern. Everybody's like, did you just blow that? What are, what are you doing right now? <laughs> Obviously, he ended up to be Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman, so that didn't really pan out, but um, maybe. Maybe there's like a digital thing. I mean, if they're creating everything in the computer anyway, why not have a bunch of Green Lantern show up? Yeah, cool. That's definitely the Snyder Cut, where you go back in uh, years later and animate a new movie around the one you already <laughs> shot. Uh, that's why he is an auteur. Uh, this is follow-up from Dean Dell. By the way, when you do trivia tonight, I'm going to put my hand up first like this. I'm ready to play. Even got my earbuds on so it sounds professional. All right, we'll see. We'll see, Dean. Wow. Call we'll the shot. Himself. That's an early hand up right there. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't count now, but we'll see what happens with Mr. Pete LePage, the the I was about to say king of trivia. Yeah, yeah it's been a saying, while since we did the live show. No, he's the star of trivia. Yeah, Alex. oh my god. And I can't believe I haven't been saying that lately. What a great reminder! Hey, Thanks a lot, Salvin. Uh, Edward Doherty actually says there already was a Green Lantern cameo in Justice League. Wasn't there? Uh, I think they were on like was it the attack on Themyscira or something? There were some Green Lanterns there or something like that. I don't know. I mostly eradicated that movie from my memory. The only thing I remember about that movie is seeing it in those horrible 4D seats in the Union Square oh, Theater. Oh, and man. at the end, when flowers show up, they sprayed Lysol out of the side of the <laughs> movie theater. <laughs> oh, awful. Uh, Mike Padeca says, so how is movie day? Did you get it done before the hurricane? Wow. Super personal question for you, Pete. Yes, I did. Somehow, some way, got it all done. Uh, it was a complete nightmare. And I got here just in time for the hurricane. Ooh. Nice, dude. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, and you still have to move tonight, right? Yeah, I got more stuff to do as far as, like, I got to go back and it's it's never ending. It's never going to end. Uh, your look, your temper is under control, it seems like. You look fine. I did just... Exhausted I, the care. I did send one of my Philadelphia um, contacts over to snip your coaxial cable in your current place. <laughs> real quick. No, I just got it installed. Don't do that. It's perfect. It's the clean wire then. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, man, you guys are going to love this question uh, for Ramsey Hassan. Seeing that Alex has always rewritten a Marvel miniseries, what Marvel miniseries would Justin and Pete love to write? Nice. Uh, uh, I, I want to write a Punisher miniseries. <laughs> what? Wow. Where did you that said, come from, Pete? Since you said when? that you said that like the cat that has a mouthful of canary. Yeah. Just really walking right up to it. I guess any, I thought Do you have oh, a pitch, Pete? Do you have any ideas? I mean, knowing that if you pitch it out loud, you definitely could never do it because they yeah. wouldn't be able to pick it up. So go ahead. No, no. Yeah, I, I have I have a, a lot of ideas. Like way back in the day, I don't know if you remember, but like uh, we challenged each other to do some writing and I like started doing some uh, writing, some Punisher stuff. And then like it's been a fun writing exercise that I've gone back to a bunch of times. So um, oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I, I have some crazy ideas that will never see the light of day. But who knows? Nice. Justin, what about you? Give me that uh, Darkhawk. 
give me that new warriors. And I guess I probably would want to just take Alex's series and write, rewrite it. (laughs) (laughs) Just punch it up. Just punch it up a little bit. Yeah. Just punch it up. Notes while it was coming out. And I appreciated it because, well, you know, I'm a fan and, uh, first, (laughs) (laughs) I, I write, I redline every comic book I read and send it to the writer. I'm like, Hey, Fix this. And it's weird. They send you back email saying, thank you. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I love this. I love you. We, we're going to develop a friendship based on this interaction. Uh, wait, this is a good follow-up question, though. Uh, dream artist to work with. Ooh. Uh, I mean, different for different projects. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a... I, I don't know what how much comic work he does. Not very much, but um, a Dark Leonardo Hawk series. Da Vinci? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Um, we have some of my older, the artist in the crucible, I think is the one I want, <laughs> okay. which is the life I'm living right now. No, I was going to say, uh, Joe Madeira on a dark Hawk series, uh, would be very cool. I think, uh, Chris, I do look it up. I, cause I can never, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Chris Bachlow is my, uh, Oh yeah. You love him. Yeah. You, love you him. do love him. So interesting. Uh, Kevin asks, what was your ideal name? What would be your ideal name for a comic shop? If you had Ooh, great question. Uh, I think I would go with uh, Justin Sucks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's sort of a quickly closing comic book shop, I would think. Mm-hmm. No, it would be great because anytime I would see someone walking around with a bag and it just says Justin Sucks on it. Oh, it would be just so great. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> That'd be fun in, in bankruptcy court when you just have a laugh at that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, the pull list uh, feels fun to me. Um, some sort of other. Uh, it definitely sounds like another type of shop. Yeah. I would well, say you do both. Maybe like <laughs> nerds welcome. Have something or, going on in the back. Mm-hmm. Yes, Pete? I was going to say, like, yeah, nerds welcome or like something that's more welcoming, but also like, you know, letting people know that like it's crazy nerdy. What about a shop called like Biff Bam Pow Comics are for kids? That's fun. I mean, the real answer, guys, is the one we opened together called the Comic Book Club. Oh, yeah, that's a good name. Do you want to do that based on our interview at the beginning of the show? It feels like it would be very profitable. Yeah, let's make some money and open a comic book shop during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the most profitable thing you can think of right now? Oh, I have an idea. Uh, an uh, online podcast. <laughs> What's a comic book series that you would say changed your life? Ooh. Oh my God. Changed your life. Comic book series. That's intense. I mean, easy answer Starman. Like the way um, that comic just talked about antiques and old things and like valuing all these uh, knickknacks and stuff. Like I, I definitely took some of that on, I think. Um, I would. S- hmm. That's tough. There's a lot of different things floating around in my head about like certain things that have had big impacts, but I'm like, I don't know if that's really changed my life. I mean, I think this is kind of a swerve answer to this, but so much of 
what I have learned about what is right and wrong and how to treat people comes from comics, mm-hmm. um, mm. which is why it always surprises me when comic book people use comic books as a way to be abusive of people. Um, because I think the basic lessons that we learn from superheroes is always try to do what's right, always support people, always help people, no matter what the cost to yourself. And that's what I took away from it. And that's what I try to apply as much as possible, often failing because we're human, because we only do as best as we possibly can. But the other lesson that I learned is that the superheroes often fail and then they pick themselves up and they go right back up again. So I'm never going to have those powers. I'm never going to be able to see. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't say Don't never. Okay. Yeah, don't say never, man. Someday I might have those powers. Someday yeah. I might be That's able to a save the world. But more likely, I could try to do the right thing in small ways on a daily basis. And that really is something that I think I took from growing up reading comic books. Um, I, it's funny because I tried to think of comics that really have, uh, and I was like, and my brain shut down with all the different ideas. But then when I thought about times we talked about this on the show, then I was like, Oh, I remember. And it's the Hulk book, uh, uh, was, uh, the shows the brood at the love of an atom, uh, something like it's a, it's a Herb Trimpey drew it, but it's a yeah. Hulk book. Uh, the one we he, talked about a, a few months back. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, there we go. Uh, we a couple of comments over here on YouTube. The uh, tube. I would, to, I would love to read YouTube. I would love to read a Marvel What the written by the CBC team. Yes, I think that would be awesome. Also, the pull list sounds like it belongs in seventies era Times Square. <laughs> uh, also correct. You get in the uh, pull list was, tonight. I'm on the pull yeah. list tonight. Uh, oh yeah, boy! Oh god! How much is that? Is it in mint condition? I hope so. Nope. Damaged. Uh, <laughs> Deeply damaged. damaged. Just ripped to shreds. Uh, Nelson Martinez says, any predictions for how Stargirl finishes up next week and what role does Mikey play in the finale? I know we swerved on this two weeks in a row, but Pete was not able to make the regular taping of our podcast. We're actually going to be taping our bonus episode for Stargirl after this. So maybe we should hold off on the predictions or do you want to? What, what do you guys think? Um, we can have a couple predictions. Let's do just a quick uh, cryptic prediction for right now, just sure. to keep just to answer the question. Well, I mean, I I think Mikey is uh, going to be a superhero by the end of this. I mean, you saw his drill work, so I think he's just going to call him the drill. And uh, yeah, he's hmm. going to be saving the day and getting on the squad for sure, or becoming be a like dentist. Sender crossover where they're going to call him Driller. He's a real killer. Yeah. Topical. Thank thank you. Topical. Um, I think we're going to get a tease about the true nature of the cosmic staff in this finale, but we won't learn what it is. Uh... I, I can give you a little tease just because. Oh, wait, did you want to flex a little bit? Because for yeah, your job, flex a little you've bit. Uh, seen it all. Something that without, I don't actually know what it is that's going to happen, but for my day job, Pete, I talked to Breck Bassinger, the star of Stargirl, and <laughs> she mentioned that there was a scene. If in- you spoil something right now. No, I don't even know what it is. She said that there was a scene that was originally in the pilot that they pulled out and put in the finale because it made more sense. Opening that present. 
Gotta be opening that present. I kind of think maybe it is. No, I kind of think it's something explained about the staff, like Justin said, because that should be in the pilot, but they were like, no, it's too good. Right. You gotta wait for it. Alex, and I mean it when I say this, don't quit your day job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, I think we got one last question here. Uh, Oh, I don't know what this is exactly in reference to, but Edward Doherty says, Justin, what about the mythical Paul Pope Minotaur drawing? Uh, As prized possession, perhaps? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, and I feel like I've maybe told this story recently, but... uh, uh, I was working at a restaurant in Brooklyn and there was an art gallery next door. Paul Pope, um, had, had to, he had his art sort of framed there, I think. And so we had one of his, um, original, uh, pieces on the wall, not superhero related right behind the bar. So I'm working the bar one lunch shift. There's like, I have like six tables. Uh, and this dude comes in, I get him lunch, some wine. And, uh, he's like, Hey, uh, I love these pieces on the wall over here talking about something else. And I was like, oh, I love this one behind me. It's by Paul Pope, who's a comic book artist. I'm a big comic book guy. And he's like, oh, that's cool. I'm Paul Pope. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I sort of took a minute. And uh, we talked. And after a couple hours, he pulls out his brush pen. And he's like, what's your uh, favorite uh, villain? Not just from comics, but villain across the whole spectrum of history. So I go do a lap around the... Uh, restaurant realized I hadn't been to any of my other tables for a long time. And uh, I came back and said the Minotaur, which was a weird answer. I don't think about the Minotaur very much in my life. You bring Uh, them up every show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so he uh, keeps talking to me and he just brushes out this great uh, Minotaur uh, battle sequence, Theseus um, killing him uh, with, uh, the Minotaur wasn't born evil, but he still um, uh, was uh, vanquished uh, vanquished by the righteous uh, in text over. It's such a good thing. And Edward Doherty, to your uh, question, I w- when I get back home uh, next week, I will definitely show off that Minotaur uh, piece. Yeah, please. Oh, yeah, please cool. do. I'm, I've forgotten what it looked like at this point. But speaking of prize possession, Zalbin, wouldn't this be a key time for you to – Open oh up. God. I and thought look- maybe we were going to forget about this. Yeah. Uh, particularly because the uh, premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks is going to start in 30 seconds. So I really got to watch this episode. And the crazy thing is, once they show it, they're never going to show it again. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, it's a one time screening. It it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, of course you have. Look, he's, uh, he's under flexing his flex. Yes. You see this? So this is something that we talked about last episode was that I have a legitimately, I'm not even like like getting nervous when I'm talking about this. I have a box of comics. This was a box of comics my father had when he was a kid that he had in my grandmother's house. When my grandmother passed away, it went back to my father who then gave it to me. And these are things like, I used to read them when I would go over to... Uh, my grandmother's house incessantly. It was things like fantastic. With gloves on, right? You had no, little I gloves? No, because they didn't know. My grandmother got rid of most of my father's comic book collection, and I'm sure he had things that were, like, worth insane amount of money. So there's things in here like Fantastic Four number two, and by here, I mean, just to show it off, 
It is this cardboard box Ooh. over here that's full a of classic content. long box. Well, I, I have never. I have not opened it for years because I've been so scared to open it. Fifty oh, bucks says inside. Alex is going to cry in the next five minutes. I probably am because I'm going to open this up and they're going to turn it to dust. I'm not sure to set this up visually, but I think. For those who are watching on uh, YouTube or Crowdcast, I'm going to push back my computer a little bit. Yeah, so can you go full screen? I want to see this. I want to record this. I, I don't know if I can go full screen, but I can definitely like uh, move back a little bit here. I think – hold on. Here we go. How's that? You guys can nice, see good. the box. Good. That's it. That's all I need. Great. <laughs> Just a nice cardboard box. So I, I'm going to open it up. Are you going to show off your lower decks branded leather pants that you're wearing as well? Chaps, my buttless chaps. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, here, I'm trying to open it right now. I honestly am so scared. These things are going to just like crumble. There are comic book put, ghosts put in there. On. Should I put? I don't. I have gloves upstairs, but I'm not going to bother. Oh my god, uh, Jesus! Let's okay. see. And you're... Wouldn't it be funny if this was like the wrong box? Yeah, and it had like a couple of figurines. You in want it, it to be the wrong box. Oh well, yeah. So like there's this is mine, which I guess I put in there. Cool. That's not old. That's not very old. At all. Come on, uh, man. And then there's this cre- uh, comic shop news, also not very old. Very oh. collectible. Hold on. Give I us the I... good shit. Oh yeah, I can see it. Okay. Oh my god. All right. This is this is also not very old, but we're starting to get there. I feel like this is going back in time. This is a Elvira comic. Uh, don't get into your weird porn. Now right we're now. seeing. Now we're seeing the evolution of Alex. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I can see the crumbly stuff down here. This is also probably mine. This is some dark crystal comics. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good. Uh, and then. This is, I can see my father made an accounting of all the stuff. So one of the big things that I would read all the time, Jesus Christ, this is going to like legitimately fall apart. He had an amazing collection of the original classic illustrateds. Uh, So this is just the one at the top. I could smell these, like I could smell the must on these. Mm. This is classics illustrated, a tale of two cities. Oh, fun. I'm going to see if I can find something. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God, this is horrible. I hate this. Why are we doing this segment? Well, you mentioned it, and then Pete remembered it. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to see. Oh, God. These are terrible. Uh, Classics Illustrated, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Oh, huge. I wish they'd bring that back. Yeah, there's a ton more of these. I'm going to try to sift through to get to the Marvel books. See if we can get to those. Those are they're just getting I can't even describe it like they're Try. Getting, they're getting worse as I go down. Like just it's like yes. going to the bottom of a cave where things just get crumblier and more horrifying by the Or end. like when Elsa in Frozen Two went too far uh and descended into the place where she Yes, I feel like I'm going into the unknown. Yeah. Yes, I... that's what I was getting at, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, because everybody's seen that recently. Oh man, I uh, saw it maybe literally this, minutes before I turned this on. I don't know even know where the other ones are. I might need to continue this next week. Oh, this is everybody's favorite. Uh, Classics Illustrated: The Scottish Chiefs. I don't even. Know Alex, what that is. you're losing your audience. Yeah, come <laughs> on, man. 
Stop with the queer classic illustrated. Get the Fantastic no, Four. Uh, I'll have to find it. It must be in another box somewhere. Uh, classic. That's the last one. Classics illustrated kidnapped. There's so what year? Out. What year are the, those from? These are. Let me. Don't see. open it up. Don't open it up. Poof. Nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> <laughs> wow! What a time capsule. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It doesn't have a year in it or anything like that. But it has. Yeah, I remember reading these. This one is slightly better preserved. Oh, wait, here we go. Uh, March 1964. Wow. Nice. Oh, there's a note in there that says, for me, that I've been traveling through time. And please bring this up. (laughs) Go to the lockbox at the Hill Valley uh, Post Office. All right. Well, I guess that was a little anticlimactic. I'll look through the stack and see if there is any more stuff going on there or anything like that. Um, also try to figure out if maybe that Fantastic Four is anything. Look at, it looks like you're extra sweaty now. I am very sweaty. Right He's now. crying <laughs> out of his face. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Sorry. Uh, that's, hey, it was fun, was man. the Geraldo Rivera of comic book reviews. Yes. <laughs> now there's a dusty reference to take us home. <laughs> Phil Donahue. All right, folks. It is time for trivia. And for that, we're going to turn over to the oh, star man. of trivia. Piece the of star page. of trivia himself. So all you got to do is raise your hand either on YouTube. Oh. There we go. Dean was first hand up guy. Dean did it. Aaron, Dean Dunn did it. I, oh, I thought Aaron was going to steal it, but it's uh, Dean is the first hand up. First hand up. Star of right. trivia gathering oh, his resources. Sounds like he's coming out to the screen. Dean. There he is. Welcome to the screen. How are you, Dean? What's up, guys? Hey, welcome to Trivia. I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. He's going to test your metal while I go uh, check out the Star Trek Lower Decks premiere. All right, cool. So <laughs> today's trivia is on topical comic news and Twitter. I'm going to read you a question. Twitter. Listen to all three possible answers. Get all three questions right. You will win a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics Online. Woo. All right, here we go. Question number one. What writer is excited for Deadpool to invade Karoka? Kur- uh, why am I saying that wrong? Karaoke. It's pronounced karaoke. No, it's uh, it's not. <laughs> Krakoa. It's Krakoa. Uh, since he wasn't invited, is it A, Mark Wade, B, Kelly Thompson, or is it C, Stanley Tucci, the Tooch? So it's mm. either A or it's B. Mm. I'll say B. B is correct. I'm very excited to read this. Kelly Thompson read, uh, writing Deadpool. Nice. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens when Deadpool gets to Fuck Island. All right, here we go. Question number two. Uh, James Tynan IV is publishing a horror magazine called what is it? A, Razor Blades, B, Blades of Darkness, or is it C, Christy Alley? So it's either A, Razor Blades, or you could be wrong. 
I'll say A. A is correct. Congratulations. Just really go playing go right into the star's hands. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, last one. Tom Taylor tweeted about the return of what DC hero? Is it A, Captain Comet, B, Amazing Man, or is it C, Toby Maguire? Hmm. So it's either A, Captain Comet, or it's B, Amazing Man. B. B, Amazing Man is correct. Wow. Nice job, Dean. Dean, what shirt are you rocking? What shirt are you rocking there, Dean? Oh, there yeah. you go. Superman oh, shirt. Yeah, that was and, our uh, our guest is a huge, uh, our, uh, the guest on the show is a huge Superman guy. And I'll, I'll show you my Unicron. It's not as <laughs> exciting as, as Alex's fun box, but yeah. brand for me. I mean, he's holding uh, a Lady Demon dark chocolate bar. <laughs> and as usual. Octopus. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. I don't want to eat it, though. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Congratulations. Yeah. Great job, Congratulations, Dean. Dean. All right. Thank uh, you. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. We're going to get you $25 to MidCount that you can spend online so you can stay home and safe. Good luck to, with All everything. Right. Hey, thanks. thanks. Great to see you. See you, Dean. Dean Calling a shot. Uh, I will mention, because I feel bad about the whole Classics Illustrated, I did a little more digging in the box. I did find this uh, Empire Strikes Back Marvel magazine from 1980, which is the official comic book adaptation of the movie. And probably, well, I don't know how to say cooler, but uh, Spectacular Spider-Man magazine in actually pretty good shape from 1964. Wow. Wow, that's cool. That is a good nice. Nice. Stop go. touching like, it with your greasy fingers. I just ripped it to shreds. Just like straight in half. It was terrible. Wow. I thought you were gonna hold up your other laptop and be like, and I found this lower decks <laughs> premiere from no, it's going right now. very funny stuff. Very oh, yeah. They're, they're killing it. All right. Yeah. So um, I look forward to your write-up. <laughs> I hope to appear in it. In case anybody was wondering, it's deconstructing Harry. Oh, the answer from your uh, third. Yeah. Answers. There we go. Great. Uh, thanks for bringing up a Willie Woody Allen movie, Pete. Great job. Sorry, man. I'm running low on movies. You don't have gonna... to do this. Nobody is asking you to do this. I'm yes. asking myself to do it. Hmm. Great. Weird. <laughs> uh, as we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day. We recommend you go to nowhere because nowhere is safe. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to? <laughs> I tell you what I'm looking forward to. Uh, speaking of Green Lantern, I'm looking forward to the best uh, Green Lantern comic uh, I've ever read because I, I don't really like Green Lantern. Far Sector number seven. Yes. Great yes, comic. Good Justin, what about you? Gotta give it up for Ice Cream Man number 20, I wanted to say, which comes out tomorrow. It is number 20. I love that comic. Can't wait for a new issue. I'm living in a nightmare scape, and uh, it's great to really read this book and enjoy it as well. Yeah. Uh, Strange Adventures number four for me. Man, this book has been so good from DC Comics. I have loved every issue. It is just raising the bar every single time. Very excited to chat about it on our Stack podcast, which rolls out Wednesdays at 9 a.m. in the Comic Book Club feed and its own Stack feed. And folks, 
On that note, that is it for our live show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. You're all awesome. We want to thank our amazing guests this week, Anthony Desiato. Once again, My Comic Shop Country is available right now on iTunes and Amazon. Fun doc. Fun doc. Check that out. Uh, next week on the show, speaking of Ice Cream Man, I'm pretty nervous about this interview. We're going to have W. Maxwell Prince, the writer yes. of Ice Cream Man, is going to be here. And I we might like, all die. The entire interview is just going to be us being like, hey, do you remember the time? Do you <laughs> yeah. remember the time in Ice Cream yeah, on Man? page 12 of the third issue. Yes. Uh, we also have two other amazing guests, uh, James Emmett and Kristen Thomas, uh, Thompson, excuse me, the team behind I Am Hexed is going to be here. We've had them on the show nice. before, and they're always yeah. awesome. Also, yes. a couple of other things to check out. As we mentioned before, Star Guys, our Stargirl podcast. Let's hear it for the boys, our boys podcast, Umbrella Podcademy, our Umbrella Podcademy, our Umbrella Podcademy podcast. There you go. Our Umbrella Academy podcast. Also, patreon.com slash comic book club if you want to support this show and the other shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, and the app of your choice. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more at comicbooklive to follow us socially. Of course, check out Star Trek Lower Decks coming to CBS All Access Thursday, August 6th for all your comedy Star Trek needs. No, my Yeah. God. And that's wow. it, everybody. What a free plug. <laughs> Thanks, Have everybody. everybody. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.